I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Emily Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's Painless Sunday School lesson without works. This week, we're going to discuss a popular holiday and where it all began. This will be a free conversation about the first Christmas. What is your understanding of what the Christmas story is? So my understanding... Oh, first of all, what's your, your, your association with it? Mm. How do you think of Christmas? How do I think of it? Yes. What do you mean? As a holiday. Do I you see it, it as a religious holiday or do you see I it as I don't a... celebrate it as okay. a religious holiday. I understand that it is a religious holiday. I don't think in America, in secular America... It is that much of a religious holiday, really, uh, anymore, because if it was, then gifts would be less important, <laughs> not more important. But my understanding of the Christmas story is a very young woman, we'll call her a girl, named Mary, found herself without shelter or... Well, she was married. She was engaged. I was gonna, oh, she, was, she wasn't She wasn't married, married at the time? Okay. No. So she found herself without shelter and her husband, <laughs> although she had a companion. Uh, upon the hour of her giving birth, she was given a space in a barn, basically. So a manger, right? right. Which, as a non-rural person, I just understand to be like a... Like a stall in a barn, yeah. but I don't know if that's really what a manger is. <laughs> that's just my understanding from, you know, pictures and nativity scenes. And she gave birth to what your people believe is the Son of God. Well, it's complicated. See our prior <laughs> episodes on Jesus and the Trinity. And then sometime... In the next three years, some wise men showed up with some inappropriate children's gifts. Ta-da! The gifts were very appropriate. They Not just, for children. Well, for this particular <laughs> child. So, actually, you know more than most people do. You know enough to separate the three wise men, or the wise men, or from the... Um, I, I, was, I heard from various places uh -huh. uh, over time that... A, uh, also in a world religions class, if the star was where the star was at Jesus's birth, uh -huh. and he was born where they say he was born, he was not born in December. Also, shepherds are not out in December. <laughs> That's not a thing that happens. Uh, it, it's likely that he was probably born in October, uh, but December 25th had some prior... Right, uh, it was part of the uh, church habit of appropriating other people's yeah. holidays. And I believe it's Mithras's birthday from Zoroastrianism. Mithras? Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of Mithras in a long time. Well, so that's where December 25th comes from. Uh, he was likely born, yeah, sometime in October. And it's likely that given the fact that there were no cars or roads 
that the wise men traveled a very long time before mm -hmm. they actually got to, to Jesus, and they were probably no longer in the manger when that happened. Right. No, it, it makes it very clear that this happened much, much, much later. But Like um, he was a toddler, probably three, three to five three years. years yeah, yeah. Uh, from our understanding of it. So the, the nativity that you see is often tiny baby, uh -huh. mother, Joseph, let's not call him dad, because presumably not dad, mm -hmm. uh, and then the three wise men are there, and also there's usually a donkey. Well, there's, yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> sure how the donkey got to be such a prominent part of the picture. He really is a very prominent picture. I believe that there was, there used to be a Christmas special when I was a kid, Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey, Oh. along with a little drummer boy, and um, I think my favorite was listening to uh, a story from a school teacher about... Uh, kids drawing a picture of a nativity scene back when you could do that in a public school. Yeah. And one kid drew a picture with a lot of the familiar figures that you're mentioning and a tremendously fat man in the background. Oh, Santa. No. No? And oh! the teacher asked him, who was this? And he said it was round John Virgin. I think that that is apocryphal because I'm almost positive that happened in a Ramona Quimby book. It's... <laughs> It, it's, it, actually, it speaks very much right. of a Donzer Lelite, <laughs> where well, she was like, what's a Donzer? So you actually do know more than most people. I I don't think the actual date of Christmas is such a hard and fast article of faith for people, although I know at least one person who was really upset when he was told that Christmas didn't happen in December. He thought this, you know, his his religious beliefs rose or fell uh, on that, which and is I a don't strange even know... place to make a hill. So we're talking about 2,000-ish years ago. Yes. Christmas is something that everyone thinks they know, but they might have missed the details or the meaning of the story as a whole. Oddly, many people are familiar with the details because of Charles Saltz, the inventor of Peanuts, the comic strip. He decided to include a speech on the true meaning of Christmas in his 1965 Charlie Brown Christmas television special. At that time, religion was rarely mentioned in Christmas specials at all. It was... Buy a thing. Uh, one or... one um, one religious scholar said it was less than nine percent of material released on Christmas included the Christmas story. Right, and and this is about the, is this about the same time as like the um, I've forgotten the name of the the claymation pair. Oh, they they weren't claymation, but the Rankin Bass Rankin animated Bass specials animated like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and is that about the like same that. time? Right, yeah, and that's all secular being produced around the same time. Okay. So it was important for him to actually have, and the plot of that story is that Charlie Brown is set up by default as a director yeah. of a Christmas pageant, yeah. which used to happen in churches all the time. I used I've participated in several of them. It, ha it happened yeah. in schools as well. There's a Christmas pageant in schools, and a lot of them were secularized right. because public school. <laughs> so Charles Schultz was a religious person whose views on religion changed uh, throughout his lifetime. He was alternately a Methodist, a Lutheran, and a secular humanist. He was adamant, though, on releasing the animated special that Linus, who he saw as his spiritual surrogate, that feels right, <laughs> give a speech about the meaning of Christmas. So Linus is Charles Schultz's Xander. He was very, <laughs> he was really, he's a very interesting person in terms of his religious belief because religion plays a large part in the Charlie Brown comic strip. Mm -hmm. And so when he did not, he announced himself a secular humanist, he didn't quite mean it in the way that other people would. It's just that he wanted to move away from labels, labels, Strict right? Labels. The same way that Stephen King refuses to talk about religion anymore because he kept getting pegged by religious right. people, right? 
So also that ties you to a larger church who may or may not be doing right. things that you agree with. Yes. So <laughs> what he said well, in the Linus's speech includes the passages from the book of Luke. There was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, love was important. The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you, and ye shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, and, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So, what does heavenly hosts mean? That means, unlike the term that we use for you, yes, a heavenly host would be a host of people, a great many. Great, like, are they angels? Yes. It refers to them as angels. Okay. Now, the reason why we know, this is the Christmas story, the actual Christmas story, because there are events that were leading up to it months and months and months So earlier. this is all we get? Yes. There's a baby somewhere? Yes, and of the four Gospels, <laughs> there the are... The whole of it is there's a baby somewhere? <laughs> of the four Gospels, there's only two that tell the birth story. One was Matthew and one was Luke. Luke goes into a great deal of detail because he was writing for an audience who was unfamiliar with Judaism. Luke is directed towards someone named Theopolis, which is Greek for lover of God. And they think it might not have been an actual person as much as it was the churches that came from paganism and didn't come from Christianity and didn't come from Judaism as a background. So it went into a great deal of explanation. First of all, separating Judaism from Christianity. Okay. And then also just writing detail after detail after detail because they weren't as familiar with the story as much as a let's say a Jewish audience in growing up with uh, and hearing by word of mouth stories about Jesus. And stories about his birth. Okay. But in in Luke, is this the entirety of the story? That's the entirety of the Christmas story. There's a lot that leads up to it. Like what? Well, here it doesn't mention at all the fact that of the Annunciation. Right. It doesn't mention. So we don't right. get the, hey, they're not married. Hey, she didn't have sex. Hey, she was impregnated by right. an angel. No, well, she wasn't impregnated She was by informed angel. of her impregnation by an angel. Right. She was... <laughs> So, when Luke starts, and Luke was a companion of St. Paul, because St. Paul apparently, from what we understand, was ill most of his life, and every time you read about him going on these evangelical missions, there was always somebody helping him. Luke starts with the birth of John the Baptist, which was also miraculous. Now, John the Baptist, older or younger than Jesus? Uh, older by months. Right. They, I know that they're, they're of similar age. And they were also related to Mary's family. Right. So they're like cousins, yeah. kind of. Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, and she was quite elderly. And her husband, Zachariah, is uh, attending in the temple. And he sees a vision of an angel who tells him that his wife is about to give birth. And he doesn't believe it. And so Zachariah says, how can I be sure? I'm an old man, and my wife is old, too. So, And then the angel says, well... I'll try to find an exact quote because I don't want to put words oh my in the okay. But this, um, So is this part of the Christmas story, though? This is the very beginning of it because this is the way that Luke starts this story. So once there was a an old lady who had a baby mm -hmm. and a young lady who had a baby, 
and either of them could have been the half-blood prince, but only one of them was. Well, the reason why this story becomes important, Zachariah says to the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, in a voice that I can only imagine sound like Samuel Jackson, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you these good news. And now you will be silent <laughs> you not and talk not back to able me. to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which came true, which will come true at their appointed time. I'm obviously an angel, and you are questioning me, so you just hush. But that's some childish behavior. So the like, angel sends him out, and Zachariah has to make signs to people to tell them, that uh, he needs to go home because an angel told him to shut up. So, uh, why are angels so petty? Angels don't like to be questioned. I understand that. I loved, why are they so petty? <laughs> when I was a kid, what I loved about this story is that when Zachariah questions the angels, like, "Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am?" Well, that's fine. No, but, I don't. I don't know who. And you then are. he tells him, "I am here at work, and you are telling me something that is." On its face, unbelievable. Right. So you'll forgive me if I have to go, uh, are you sure you found the right person? Zachariah, probably a fairly common name. Right. Maybe it is one of my younger brethren. Uh, okay, so, so now John this, the Baptist is born. So John the Baptist is... So the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends the same angel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and there's a virgin who is pledged to be married to a man named Joseph who's a descendant of King David. So she's already pledged to him at right. the time of her annunciation. Right. The virgin's name is Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, the holy child. Well, anyhow, that, that that's made up later. I think the but, biggest miracle in the mm-hmm. Christmas story is that Mary was not stoned to death. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this will be. And the angel says to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And it goes on to describe what Jesus will do. And Mary says, I'm a virgin. And the angel answers... Well, he does say, you will conceive, so that's in the future. So the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So in other words... This child is going to be a miraculous birth. Now, there's lots of miraculous births in Judaism, mostly from people who are too old to give birth. There's story, the story of Melchizedek also has a story of a virgin birth. There's stories of virgin births in stories of Zoroaster, or even even in, um, there's also examples in... Mythos is a virgin birth. In, I'm not familiar with that one. Zoroaster also had a birth that was prophesied from the beginning of time, and it was miraculous. Yes, Mithras was also a virgin birth. Mithras and Christ are... Um, They're tied together because Mithras was also believed that his blood saved the world. Yeah. From a consent standpoint, did Mary ever go, lay it on me, or did she just blink and get impregnated? And then Mary says, (laughs) I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. And the angel left her. That is what I was hoping for. Now, remember that what we're saying here, when we look at this, we talked about this when we talked about the Trinity. Yes. Mary, uh, the angel tells Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now remember that when we look at the Trinity, at least in the context of that time, for some reason it's been removed from a lot of Christian thinking now, but 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit represent everything, right? The one who creates, the one who brings creation into birth, which means it's feminine, and then the thing that's created. So when it says the Holy Ghost will overshadow you, it's talking about the feminine presence of God. This isn't like she's being impregnated, impregnated as in Greek mythology, by something masculine. Zeus pretends to be a, a bull or a shower Swan. of gold or something horrible like that and impregnates them in a sexual way. No, this is just, in other words, the feminine presence of God will overshadow you and you will give birth, which is an important point to remember. Right, no, there was no... Yes, there was no, like, God, because that was... um. That was a criticism at one point. God forces himself on a That's why Jewish maiden. Like, I was no. like, did she say right. yes? <laughs> at no. least. No, and, granted, I mean, mm-hmm. but we don't get anything else about Mary, do we? How do you mean in terms of her consent? Like for until until well, we do, Christ is it, dying. It becomes, Mary shows up at different times in the Gospels, and they have a kind of a strained relationship at times because she sometimes wants to protect him. At other times, she's asking him, could you do a favor because you are who you are? And so finally, they, when he's dying, he gives, he presents, uh, and this is one of the more touching moments of him hanging on the cross. He sees John, the youngest disciple, and he says to Mary, this is your son now. And to John, take care of my moms. <laughs> this is your mother. Because he understood that being what he was, he couldn't fulfill the duty of being a son duty to her, of being a son, right. especially a firstborn son, and that she took a great deal of risk and with him. We don't know if, we presume that mm-hmm. he had biological siblings. Now, that's an interesting question, because at one point... Because um, presumably that the, the, the man that marries her, mm-hmm. Joseph, right. would... They would, at some point, consummate that marriage, or else it wasn't a real marriage. There's like that's the law. Two different schools of thought about this. In the Catholic Church, it's commonly taught that Mary had no other children, and that the brothers and sisters that are referred to of Jesus actually came from previous marriage, because it was very common for an older man to marry a younger woman, or that they believe that Mary was without sin her entire life. That has more to do with the Catholic conception of sin. I'm In the sorry, Protestant but she world, married, it's not necessary to believe that. She married uh-huh. Joseph, right. right? They were married. Yes, they So were what sin is That's the consummation of, of that again, marriage? That speaks to a kind of a medieval understanding about what sex is as sin. Um, it's deeply upsetting. Yeah, All right. it is kind of upsetting, but so... So Mary understands now that she's pregnant, but she's already engaged. But right, again, which is why I think the the real Christmas miracle is that Joseph hung in. Mm-hmm. Did something appear to him? I presume something appeared yes. to him. Yes, now what happens later on in the story, Zachariah, Mary goes and visits Zachariah. Mary, uh, excuse me, uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, like the baby jumps into her womb when she sees Mary. Yeah. Most of uh, what we take the Hail Mary comes from that. The Lord is with you. Hail Mary, full mm. of grace, the Lord is with you. Right. That, comes that from, Hail Mary? Is, is a, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what's really uh, great is the Magnificat. What's really lovely about it is when you hear these speeches that they give, because they're codified by this point. By the time the Gospels are written, they're written down like hymns. 
Mary has a song, Elizabeth has a song, and she, um, the kind of language that comes out of it is really lovely. My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. He goes on to say, he has filled the hungry with good things, he has sent the rich away empty. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from thrones, but has lifted up the humble. So from the very beginning, there's this notion that Jesus is a great equalizer. It doesn't matter who your parents were, how much money you have. None of that matters anymore. What matters is your your intention and the way that you treat other people. So John the Baptist eventually is born, and his dad suddenly is able to speak once he says, he didn't get to talk the whole time. Yes, once That's the, the baby is born. a real good way to just. Elizabeth says, uh, uh, "Well, rather the fam- the the when the baby is um, presented, he's they're asked what's the baby's name, and uh, Elizabeth answers, John, just like the angel told Zechariah, and they say." Typical of men, <laughs> well, you don't have a male relative named John. Your husband's name is Zachariah. Why are you naming him John? Because so the they, angel told me to, and I don't want to be struck dumb like my stupid husband over so here. <laughs> they ask her husband, are you sure your wife is right? And the husband writes on it, his name is John. And the minute he does that, suddenly he starts to speak, and he's dancing around and singing, and he has a song too. But... What we what happens in Mary's case is that there's a lot of controversy over her husband accepting her because when she says that she's pregnant and tells the story of why she's pregnant, mm-hmm. he starts having doubts about marrying this woman. I mean, yeah. And then Gabriel, who's making a lot of rounds, he appears to Zachariah. A lot of work. He appears to... That's why to this day we, we carry the word of uh, the idea of Gabriel as the messenger angel because during the Christmas story he just keeps popping up at places and uh, and giving people the news, hey, hey, here's my trumpet, listen. Maybe that's why he's in such a bad mood. He's like, I just want to kick back and do I'm, nothing and I, I have to keep doing all this stuff. I don't want to be on earth. No one's believing what I'm saying. Everyone's looking at me like, you know, who are you and why are you in my house? So and why are you glowing? Why is Jesus in a manger? Why well, are they not at a home? This starts in Luke chapter 2. So now that Joseph has had a dream in which the angel appears to him, and it's made clear that this child is conceived of the Holy Ghost, he's like, wow, okay, this is my place in history. I'm going to go on and marry th- this young woman. So, uh, chapter Do they get two, married before she gives birth? Okay. So... In those days, Caesar Augustus issues a decree that all that a census should be taken of the entire world. All right. Good luck, buddy. And it goes on to say <laughs> this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. That's a detail that Luke puts in there to put a historical context. So we know that it was during the reign of Caesar Augustus, who the outside world is chronicled, and it goes on to say who was governor of Syria at the time. And everyone had to go to their hometown to register. So Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. It, to Bethlehem, because he belonged to the house of David. He was an ancestor of David. And he had to go take his wife, his pregnant wife, with him. So it was Roman manipulations and and, uh, shenanigans, because he wanted to tax the entire world, and that made them travel this long distance with a pregnant woman. 
Now, Mary, who was, I'm sorry, who was pledged to be married to him, was expecting a child. So this is still in the period of their not um, being of married. Enfianced. Right. And the, he winds up being born in a manger because there's no room for him in the inn, as the, the hymn goes. So he's literally born inside of a feeding trough. Yay! So that's what a manger is. It's where donkeys, possibly the donkey of the story. He is going to get bitten by the donkey. No, apparently animals like him. Now, Matthew is the one who tells us about the wise men. It goes on to say, this happened in the days of Herod the king, which is another marker uh, of what time this took place. And these wise men say there's a star in the east, and we're going to follow that star and find that... So these men weren't even... They were what would later we would call pagan wise men. These oh, were okay. astrologers. They were just like, mm, they're... Mercury's in retrograde and exactly. there's a baby being born. <laughs> we got to go that way. They, they might have been Persians. It doesn't say there was three of them. This is a tradition. But they see this star. So where is... Okay, Jesus is born in Bethlehem? Yeah. Where is that? In Judea. Cool. Where is that? I don't know. <laughs> there's a very... Can I find it on a, a map? Really, yes, you probably can. Palestinian town. Great. So he was born of in Palestine. <laughs> Jesus is a Palestinian. Of course he is. Of course he is. Of so, course. Okay. No, I'm a, just trying to figure out what's east and west uh, of. So what's very funny is there was a... I, I don't remember if you used to watch The Naked Archaeologist with me. Uh, no. Which was a Jewish archaeologist who mm-hmm. used to do Bible stories. And it was he had a very funny presentation. And he was trying to find the actual birthplace because there's a church of the nativity. Yes, there is. And there's several places that claim that they were actually the church of the nativity. In one of the funnier episodes he presented, he goes with another archaeologist and they go looking for a location that for some reason is also ascribed to be possibly the place of the manger. And funnily enough, they cross under an overpass on the top of a road and they go to a house that's there. They knock on the door, and this very beautiful pregnant woman comes and, visit and greets them. Hello. Hello. And they look horrified, like, oh, wait, 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 what are we doing? <laughs> but yeah, which I thought was very funny. So Bethlehem is somewhere where there's a house and a beautiful pregnant woman. Okay, so the wise men were going to go east. Mm-hmm. So where does that mean they came from? I don't know. Because that could be anywhere. And so the wise men come looking for the one who's to be born king of the Jews, they come from such a far way away that they actually stop at Herod's house. Herod was... Egypt, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm they, just... they come and stop at Herod's house. Now, Herod was... Um, Herod was a king. Herod was a king. He was Was he a king at the, the time? King of the Jews. Uh, oh. And he did not... But... Wa- like, what? Wait, what, what? <laughs> Wait. Who's, Herod was a terrible human being. Apparently killed some of his heirs to ensure that he would have this place. And there's a very long story about how he became this sort of puppet ruler for Rome because he preserved Roman interests along that his family had a very long time ago. When he hears that they're going to Bethlehem to go looking for this new king, he gets very unhappy and says, well, when you find him, tell me so I can go worship him too. He he didn't. No, he no, doesn't want to do that. No, no, That's no, a no, trap. No, no, no. That's a trap. So 
when the wise men come, they visit Jesus, they see him, and they give him gifts, which you say are inappropriate. Well, they're not toys. No. He gets gold. Gold is fine. Gold is great. Gold buys things. Right. You can exchange it for goods and services. Okay. So gold, I'm on all about. Then he gets frankincense and myrrh. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> what well, is they it? have a symbolic value as well. What is myrrh? Gold represents kingship. Frankincense is a sim- is a priestly. It's uh, incense, right? right? Priestly like... incense. And myrrh is the saddest one. It's for death and embalming. Now, there's other curative properties supposedly to myrrh, but it was almost as if each gift is is uh, giving a phase of his life. I like myrrh is my favorite because it's, it's myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> so they present them, and then they get warned in a dream, possibly by Gabriel again, saying, don't go back to Herod, just leave the country, leave, leave. Just keep it moving, kids, keep Which it moving. Which is followed also by... The angel appearing to Joseph in a dream and says, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to Egypt and remain there until I tell you to come back. For Herod is about to search for the child. And so when the wise men came, they came to Jesus' house. Okay. They came to their home. And they lived in Galilee? Which was a really well-made home. Did they live in Galilee? (laughs) He's Jesus of Galilee. (laughs) It was a really well-made home because Joseph was a carpenter. (laughs) No, Jesus is a carpenter. And now he's a baby. Joseph, so he, right he didn't. I just imagine, like the smartest house on um, what passed on the block. block. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which means basically it was a dirt road and there was a ditch on one side. Right. And it was a really nicely made house because that was the carpenter. Where all of the house, other houses were made of straw, his was made <laughs> of sticks. I, I don't know if that would be the case, but one cute detail I learned is that it was, uh, according to archaeologists. You knew a carpenter because he would carry a wood chip behind his ear, like a contractor carries a pencil or used to. Oh, I like that, so that you could you could you, tell if it's you like, need oh, something. I need, yeah, I need a manger built. Could you build a manger? No, I have a bad experience with right, mangers. I, have a bad experience I don't with make mangers. mangers anymore. So, um, so the angel in so after the, the the wise men leave Joseph and Mary and go a separate way, an angel warns, or possibly the same angel warns. A Joseph in a dream, go and run to Egypt because Herod's going to come looking for you. And Herod is so furious that he can't find Jesus that he just has every child under three three years and under killed in this town. They gotta stop doing that. It never works out. This you is, never kill the one that you're going right. for. You just kill all the other ones and probably Europe. This actually falls under um when we talked about finding Jesus in strange places, this is the Terminator. Yeah. I'm going to kill everyone in the phone book with this name because I'm going to find the right person. It just doesn't, it never works. It never works. And so this also is very much. I mean, I'm sure it's worked a bunch of times and we don't know those stories because it worked. Right. (laughs) But but then we know several stories where it doesn't work. Right. Well, Jesus comes back, or or that's in Harry Potter too, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. Yes, he. And the thing with Harry Potter is, it's Harry Potter or Neville. Those right. are the two people that it, this thing could be, this um, prophecy could be about. Uh-huh. Um, and he targets Harry, so Harry is who it's about. Right. But it could very e- well have been Neville the whole time, 
and and that's why I was saying that mm-hmm. um, a half blood prince, which is actually Snape and not it's right. yeah, but the boy in the prophecy could have been John or could have been Jesus. <laughs> like, well, in this, it, what to briefly without um, taking too much time, the whole reasoning to this story is supposed to echo how Jesus brings a new version of the Old Testament into being. Because John the Baptist is born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And he's very much an Old Testament prophet. He lives in the desert, he wears a camel's fur, he eats locusts and wild honey, and he talks about the coming end of of the world and the beginning of God's kingdom. Okay. This is very much like an Old Testament pro- a prophet like Elijah, for instance. And he gets compared to Elijah a lot. Jesus is like the future of what God's mission is, according to Christianity. Again, I don't want to be in any way insulting toward Judaism, but we're not talking about modern Judaism. We're talking about what was happening at the time. Right. So it's like the two men are, the two births and the two men are supposed to parallel each other. Right. One is a passing the baton to the other. Okay. And then also when we see Herod killing the young people, this is supposed to remind us of the way that Moses was nearly killed when Pharaoh was getting rid of all the children because the Hebrew children were overpopulating. And again, the one that she, the one who's going to change everything is the one that you managed not to get. So that's again. It's very, so you see how there's echoes of the older stories in this new one. Yeah. But it's translating it to be as if what happened a long time ago is now happening in your modern age right. for the people who are listening to the story. This was happening to them now, and that's why Luke takes so much trouble to describe them much more than Matthew does in a way, because Matthew is speaking mostly to uh, probably Jewish Christians, and Luke is speaking to in Greek. <laughs> to people who had no idea what any of these stories meant. Okay. So he it's it's a real sort of Yeah, there's a origin story or a real right. a creation story type. But that's uh, also why being Luke built around it. takes a lot of trouble to say and this happened this year and this happened when this guy was here. Right. So government. that it's a historical telling right. and not just a woo-woo. Because it was very common in in religious stories that people were being told this happened at another time. It happened on the top of Mount Olympus. It happened, you know, in a parallel river. Think about the way the Egyptians believed the world was, for mm-hmm. instance. So there's the River Nile, and the River Nile had like a spiritual parallel where all the gods lived. Mount okay. Olympus was a real mountain, but there was also some sort of... And you could climb to the top of this mountain yeah, and see but if there were no gods Yeah, but then there were there. also invisible gods. Right. They were invisible. They were on right. another plane or whatever. You could go to the top of Mount Sinai and not see God, but God lived there too. So they really believed in what we would probably, in modern parlance, I think we'd call it like a parallel universe that yeah. was exactly like ours. There's another Mount Sinai. There's another Mount Olympus. There's another uh, river where all these things are happening, and it's just like ours, only they, our worlds exist side by side. Gotcha. Which is a pretty sophisticated idea. Parallel reality. Exactly. But what Christianity brought, which was really troublesome to people as an extension of Judaism, is like, oh, no, this happened here, and this person was king, and these were actual people, and you can still talk to some of the people that knew him, and you can hear these stories about them, and this person was a witness. So that was where it brought something different in. People who heard the story of Moses in the synagogue never met Moses. People who heard the story of Jesus in the synagogue 
were people who could meet people who met Jesus or met Jesus themselves in themselves. So it became a very different thing. It's like that guy over there is the one who did it. So does it change in any way your your understanding of Christmas or I mean no. I um I have my own beliefs about Mary's uh of course situation. <laughs> I'm not going to impugn the young lady. Uh but yeah. Well there there's there's always been people who've tried uh, who've even branches of the church that have announced that the virgin believing in the virgin birth wasn't necessary. Oh, okay. Uh there were uh unfortunately about 180 uh there were some Jewish writings that said very kind of spurious things about Mary mm. and they were mean spirited. So yeah, we don't need to do that. Women right. get the short end of every stick anyways. Right. It's just sort of <laughs> it was and and I I feel bad they claim that he was a illegitimate child of a Roman soldier. And um, and then that was part of a, a biography that was mostly meant to mock Christianity. And so understanding that there was a lot of tension between the two beliefs, that probably wasn't a great way to go, all things considered. But um, but there's other people who have expressed that concern over time. What, to me, it doesn't... I I, I Believe in it. I, I know you do. <laughs> I, know. I, I mean, it's that's to, sort of a fundamental right. thing, and I don't. The bookends of Jesus's life are really miraculous things. I I kind it, of wish I could believe uh-huh. that she had a virgin birth, but that's just not within me to right. believe that. So, um, so parthenogenesis is something for the lower beings. Yeah, worms. Which is very strange. I and reptiles, some reptiles apparently now. I didn't Amphibians think anything that too, was I think. that was that sophisticated on the scale of evolution did. But one of the the uh, ideas is that there's not almost nothing in the gospels that doesn't take place on some level in nature. And that's one of yeah, them. Yeah, no, that's fair. And even resurrection, the way it's understood, that it transforms it into a different kind of creature, is also something that happens in nature. I, and I also, can, I mean, I can't, I can't fault Mary either. Like, mm-hmm. if something did happen right. and she was impregnated by the normal way, uh-huh. she was engaged and not married, uh-huh. and she was very young. That's the other thing that we should say is we under the way we understand it. She was probably about fourteen. She was right. She was a right. child by today's standards. Right. Now, mind you, she that, was a child. In a day and age where you had odd, uh, you know even chances of never reaching fifty. Right. That, that, that's a yeah. It's a different lifestyle. Right. It's a different lifestyle. So I'm not scale, saying rather, of time. that. Uh-huh. Um, and she'd been bred to no doubt be a wife and mother from uh-huh. the time she could understand those concepts. Right. And probably even before that, um, if 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 a sto- if she had to weave a story to keep herself alive, uh-huh. she did it, and I cannot knock that because right. the you know I want to believe that regardless of what happened, it wasn't uh, without her consent. So whatever she needed to do or say right. <laughs> to keep herself from getting killed. Because I'm well, pretty sure that is one thing that you would have happened. Also, is that this story puts Joseph in a really remarkable light because he was, regardless of, he had to take that same leap that you're taking right now. Right. It's like or you're, you're what he knew because it's his baby. 
I mean, that was, they had met, right? Well, they, no, were, no, not, they were engaged. They, that well, that doesn't right. necessarily mean that they had met. There are people who are engaged right now that have never met each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the, um, you know, well, again, it marriage depends on what rights the marriage customs, and were, at customs were at the time. Right, mm-hmm. because I don't know that. We don't know. But mm-hmm. if they had met, right. that could be his child. And then he would just have to back her up. And it it puts him in a little <laughs> bit of an easier position rather than him going, so you're what? And I know I haven't. So uh, an angel, you right. say? Well, again, it's <laughs> like, not like the angel got her pregnant. It's, it's not. No, I know. See, but that, that's, the, that's but what's what, straight How would she be able to explain it any other way? She how wouldn't, she wouldn't, that's, uh, that's probably how she would have had to explain it. I'm pregnant now because an angel came to me. Right. She, and told she, me, but see, the angel isn't doing anything other than I understand her, that, right. but, but given our understanding as mm-hmm. human beings, how does she explain it any other way? She would probably say, right. I'm pregnant now, an angel came and told well, me I was. Well, that's the reason why... He has a dream as well. It has to be told to him too because right. he's going to be taking on a huge responsibility as the father of this child who's going to change the world. It's I, I wish I could know more about them, although they're very secondary in a way to the story. Because you wonder what, if in any way, think about as much, uh, what children pick up from their parents. Yeah. And you think about what he, if you do believe, for instance, as you do, that he was a very important person, obviously, but also a very enlightened religious leader. Mm -hmm. Then what kind of people were Mary and Joseph where he came up this way? Because, you know, now, if you believe, for instance, as I do, that he was something extraordinary and other, then their influence is still very important. Right. And so they must have been an extraordinary pair of people. Yes. So... In my point of view, much more extraordinary, but that's... <laughs> that's... So that brings us to the end of learning about the story. Right. And what we want to do, and the reason why I really wanted to do this, mm-hmm. is I felt that we're going to address soon the topic of what we're being called, and why we didn't talk about it today, the War on Christmas. Right. And this happened, I was sitting watching a movie with a, a friend of mine, and there were trailers before the movie played. And there were at least two, maybe three films. There were Christmas-oriented movies. Someone that has to save Christmas. In each, and they kept saying that line, so-and-so is out to save Christmas. Or out to, and it's like, why is Christmas constantly in peril? Why do we believe that? And there's a larger idea that Christmas is in danger. Yeah even though it's built into the United States right. federal calendars. Right. Yeah, we'll get into it because right. I've got thoughts. So, yeah, so that's why we're going to discuss that in the future. But we thought the best thing to next do... Next week, in fact, or next next episode, we'll talk about that. So we're the, doing Christmas in December. Right. For December. What a, what a Which apropos. It's probably not when it took place, but... Nope, but it's when we celebrate it, so... When we celebrate it. But yeah, I find that interesting, and I'm interested also in your point, uh, what your points about a virgin birth, and I can understand that for people that might be a hard one to accept. It's a that's a lot to swallow. Yes, it takes a lot. I do understand why someone would say that that's what was happening uh-huh. to avoid 
the significant consequences to her mm-hmm. body right. uh, and life. So, you know, I get it. Have you ever I, thought about what if it's true? I mean, I'll never know. Right. So, if it's true, awesome. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I, I, it doesn't hurt me if yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's what I'm curious <laughs> a, a, about because... I believe it to be true, right? And I know people who are just like, "Oh, that that's impossible." I'm going, but if it is possible, then it means nothing but good news for you, anyway. Right? No, that's <laughs> like that's sort of all yes, good. exactly. That's why I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it was true, then I'm wrong. What we've seen from these annunciations and these songs, everything is about, oh no, it's for you. Everything good's going to happen to you. So it's the the message that we're getting is really lovely, and it's probably. Why it has such significance to the outside, even the secular world. Everyone wants to hear a message about you're loved and you're taken care of, and rich people will fail, money will fail, and yeah. But I'm cynical, and it's 2019, so (laughs) it comes around again. We'll see. There'll always be a Herod. Uh, Oh, is that what Trump is? Is he a Herod? Yes, he's a Herod. He's a man who throws temper tantrums and tries to get rid of people he doesn't like. But like the actual Herod, he's always shooting blanks eventually because he'll never get who he wants. We only remember Herod because of Jesus now. Think oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No, that's right. Otherwise, yeah, he would have just been lost He would be in some footnote in history that nobody would have known. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend. We have an internet home at withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We can also be reached at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook at withoutworkspodcast. All that information is in the website as well. So go there and have a good look around. I've been Lemuel. And she's been Amity, and we urge you to go out there and do something good.